It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Ross Christ. What's happening, Athens, Ohio? Happy Friday. This is the Sports Fan presented by our good friends at JNK Contracting. Full hour show today before we switch over to the Cincinnati Reds taking on the Cardinals. So what are we going to get to? Well, guests are plenty here in the WATH studios as we will be joined by Ohio University men's head golf coach Brennan Whitus as he will tell us a little bit about Bobcat Golf. Give us his thoughts on the British Open and the LIV Tour. Then at 6.30, we're going to be joined by professional archer Darren Christianberry as he prepares for the National Championships of Archery, which is going to be held this weekend at Hawking College. And, of course, we have sports fan trivia, and I will give you my surefire hot picks of the evening for all you gamblers out there so you can make some money before the weekend. Last night, we went 2-0 and in this studio this is the sports fan let's get to our sports fan trivia staying on the topic of archery something i admittedly know nothing about so i can't wait for darren to join us at 6 30. please get your answers in in the olympic games today archers shoot at targets however in the 1900 olympic games in paris what live animal did they shoot at you could be the smartest man or woman in Athens, Ohio. Get your answers in, 740-592-6646, if you think you know that answer. In the Olympic Games today, archers shoot at targets. However, in the 1900 Olympics in Paris, what live animal did they shoot at? 740-592-6646. Okay. Well, if you're watching the British Open and you're a Tiger Woods fan, it's a sad day for you as Tiger will not be making the cut. He had a rough day out there. He struck the ball well. He just couldn't putt. The live golfers are performing well out there in Scotland. So we'll see where they will go come the weekend. And a man who knows a thing or two about golf, our first guest of the evening joins us now, an Athens Country Club member a fellow Athens Country Club member, but more importantly, the head coach of your Ohio University men's golf team, Brennan Whitus. Brennan, how you doing today, buddy? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Well, this is great. I've been trying to get you in the studio forever. I always see you out there crushing the ball. We got to play each other in some league matches, and we're, I, I really want to pick your brain about the Open and live and everything about that, but more importantly, I want to learn a little bit more about college golf, more specifically Ohio University college golf. So, Tell me a little bit about the squad. How have you guys performed since you've been on the coaching, uh, since you've been on the coaching roster, I should say, coaching staff? I know you started as an assistant coach. Now you're a head coach. How would you grade the performance thus far? Yeah, so I was the assistant coach from in 2021 spring. Um, came on as a head coach this past year. So you know, in my first year, it was a lot of learning. That was kind of the big thing we took away from it. Um, you know, results. I don't think we're there quite yet, but I think this year, you know, having. Um, a super young roster, you know, we lose four grad seniors, so having the chance to have um, pretty much a solely underclassman starting five and that opportunity to get these young guys a chance to play, um, it's just a different energy this year, and that's, you know, the most exciting part about this. You know, the results start to come when you get the right people on the roster and the right people on the golf course, so, um, you know, the more and more we start bringing guys in that fit culturally, that fit in kind of with what we're working with, and um, I really think, you know, this fall you'll start to see some of that switch when it comes to these young guys getting a chance to play. And tell me a little bit about your journey. I'm going to assume uh, you were a college golfer. I don't know if I should even make that assumption. There's plenty of people that don't play sports that coach. But tell me how you got to be the Ohio University head coach. Yeah, it's, I'll try and shorten it up as, as fast as I can. But I played, uh, I played golf at Wittenberg University. So Great school. Yeah, some people may or may not know what it is. But a Division three school in, um, in Springfield where I had the chance to play on a team that won a national championship when I was there and some other accolades, which was awesome. Um, Coaching wasn't in the works, um, was never in the blueprint, which is always, it's funny how, you know, kind of life goes about and how you get to where you need to be. Um, you know, I was a marketing major, was about to take a job as a, um, just a digital marketing position, and then got offered a GA spot at Toledo. 
um, to go spend two years and coach up there. Um, and at that point, it took me, you know, maybe a month to realize this was kind of the career I wanted to have when, um, you know, you're in the office from 9 to 1 and on the golf course from 2 to 5. There's worse things I could be doing. Um, so that opportunity came around, graduated with a, with a master's at Toledo during COVID, where college golf was no longer for 2020. Um, Kelly Ovington, who's the head women's coach at OU, uh, took over as the interim head men's coach and didn't have anyone on staff. So when the opportunity came for me to reach out to her and email her a million times until she finally responded, gave me a chance to be the assistant coach for 2021, um, it kind of gave me a foot in the door when the head job opened up for me to stick around. And the guys and I got super close for a semester, and when the head job opened up, they were I was grateful for them to be you know, super on my side right when the job opened up, and now we're here. So they took a chance on a young guy to be the head coach. And growing up watching the game of golf, I'm sure there were some golfers out there on the PGA Tour that you looked up to. Who were some of the golfers that were your inspiration? Yeah, Tiger, for sure. As a, I mean, as you can imagine, for everybody, probably at this point, um, you know, it's a guy that I grew up watching all the time. Yeah, I'm from Dublin, Ohio, so getting a chance to go to the Memorial, um, just watch him as, as much as I could as a, as a kid growing up and trying to get autographs from him and, you know, kind of follow him around the golf courses is super exciting. And for him, you know, now that we're probably nearing the tail end of his career, I know he's going to try and keep playing in some majors each year, but um, even the stuff that he's doing now from coming back two or three times each time, now that he's back again, it's still kind of a big inspiration for everybody, I think. We'll get to Tiger and St. Andrews here in a second. I want to stick with OU for the time being. Now, where does Ohio University, in the grand, grand scheme of things, for people who maybe don't follow college golf, where do they fall kind of in the national rankings in terms of tees? If you were to put all the Division One teams kind of in a pool, is Ohio kind of towards one end more than the other? I mean, I know Arizona State has the storied program. I heard about them growing up. Lefty went there. I know his brother coached there and everything like that. How would you describe Ohio University golf, and where do we rank in there? Yeah, the, I mean, definitely the Power 5 schools kind of just outrank us with when it comes to facilities and being able to travel and stuff like that. But for us, you know, as long as we can, you know, I think our goal always is to get us within the top 100 in the country. That's kind of the goal each year. Um, you know, you start to see the schools in the MAC that are, you know, the Kent States and Toledos that crack that top 100. Um, it's kind of where I feel like we can get to. I don't think there's really any reason why that, um, why that stops anybody in the MAC. I mean, I, like I said before, you know, Kent and Toledo do a really good job of, um, you know, preparing a really good golf team there. Um, so I think we know. Like I said, for us to get in the top 100 is the goal. You know, right now we're, we're not there yet. Um, I don't know if we need to get into super specific on where we are. But um, <laughs> to get us into the top 100 is always, you know, the goal each year now. Everyone has a boss. I have one here. It's Mr. Dave Palmer, who's a radio legend, been around the business for a long time. And the person signing your checks is Ms. Julie Cromer, the head athletic director for Ohio University. What's it like working for her? She's great. I mean, she puts an emphasis on... Um, not that like we're a smaller sport, but like she starts, she's, it's not like we focus on the bigger sports that are at OU, which is always, it's always nice to have, you know, someone backing your program regardless of, you know, maybe what you bring into the university in general. Um, and like I said before, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to everyone at OU, you know, between her and administrators that took a chance on a super young coach to be the head coach here. So um, it's been great so far. Like I said, you know, someone that wants to see OU golf succeed and, you know, wants to make sure that all of the Olympic sports are all being successful is someone that I want to be with as well. And if someone wants to watch Ohio University golf in action, are you guys practicing at the OU course or are you at the country club? If they want to see some of this, you know, Division I college golf swings, some of these big swings, and see some of your coaching ability out there, where would we find them in Athens? Yeah, so we play out at Athens Country Club. Um, you know, I've been to the OU golf course once or twice, and it's fine. But, uh, but the chance to go to that, to, to work out at Athens Country Club and... Um, on course. Yeah, for them to give you know, us an opportunity to use that place is pretty much a playground for us to work as much as we need to. Um, is awesome. I mean, it's, it's one of the best spots that we're going to find in this area without you know, getting 45 an hour outside of Athens. So the chance to be at the club and... Um, you know, they, they start to treat us and you know, myself and the guys pretty much like members on their own. So um, it's just the, the partnership gets better and better you know, kind of as we go on. But it's a great spot. And looking at your upcoming roster for the upcoming year, what are some names we should be aware of? Yeah, so Sam Hogan um, was a true Any relation? No, no okay, relation. Just yeah. yeah, good name for golf, though. But um, so Sam Hogan was a true freshman last year. He started all 11 events. Um, that's going to be a guy that will pretty much come in, I would hope, right away and kind of continue kind of his run as a starter here. 
Um, you know, we had the chance to get guys like Jack Neville, Jared DeVille, um, Brooks McKellar, Matt Dalton, all those guys that are coming back as sophomores. Well, um, they played in, you know, two or three events last year. Um, so, you know, they got their feet wet in their freshman or their first year, I guess, for when it comes to COVID stuff with their first year. Um, so, again, like those kind of five guys that had a chance to play a decent amount of tournaments. Now we lost, like I said before, we lost four grad seniors. So those guys will all pretty much come right away and, and you know, kind of hit the ground running when they come back. And college golf is a bit different than other college sports. It's kind of its unique thing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's been a while since I've been in college sports, but you guys don't, like, go and play a team, for example. You go to invitationals or you go to tournaments where there will be a couple teams there or uh, maybe, uh, like, a handful of teams. I don't know, maybe a dozen teams. Is that is that kind of how the competition aspect works in college golf? Yeah, so our schedule's up now for 2022-23. It's on the okay. website. Um, so you can see kind of where we're playing at coming up this year. But every tournament that we play in is roughly going to have about 12 to 15 teams in it, unless we're playing you some, there's some three-day events we might see, you know, over 20 teams playing it. Um, but mainly it's at 12 to, 12, 12 to 15. Um, you know, they're three days, 54 holes, whether it's over two or three days. You know, we do a, each round, we, we play five guys. You count four scores and add them up. So it's nice for the guys that, you know, if you're the one guy that doesn't count in round one, you know, we kind of scrap that and we move on. Um, so that's kind of how the scoring stuff works. Um, but for me, you know, now as a head coach, you know, I'd like to avoid as many rounds in the north as possible. So we try and schedule a lot of our stuff down south so I can... Get some sun as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, we had we played a Wright State's tournament last year, and we got snowed out of the final round. Oh, my God. So miserable. Yeah, so the, the least, or the you know, the less amount of time I have to spend up here um, is the better for us until so we get kind of towards the MAC championship time. So um, we try and spend a lot of time down south, but... So, you know, if there is anyone, you take a look at our schedule. You know, if you do have the opportunity to, to pop out to a tournament, by all means, come watch. Yeah, looking at their schedule now, they'll be out in Muncie, Indiana, for the Earl Yestingmeyer Invitational on September 2nd. That'll go Friday and Saturday. Then they're going to head down to Davidson. And then they'll be in Elon in Burlington, North Carolina, Greensboro, North Carolina, on the Grand Over Collegiate October 20th and 30th, right before Halloween. The Mickey Mouse Intercollegiate, what a phenomenal sports name. Obviously, this one's going to be down in Orlando, February 19th, 20th, and 21st. Uh, George Mason's going to be hosting them down in Southern Pines. That's kind of an interesting spot. George Mason, obviously, in Virginia, so they're going to be heading down south. And then ECU, the Pirates, will be hosting them in Greenville uh, on March 20th and 21st. Okay, Brendan, let's turn our attention to professional golf. And before we get there, you mentioned you like a bit of Tiger Woods. He was kind of your inspiration for you growing up. Tiger Woods missed the cut after kind of a bad day out there, his second round in the Open Championship, having a three-over. Let's just listen to Tiger himself on what went wrong out there in St. Andrews. Well, yes, it was. It was very emotional for me. Um, I've been coming here since 1995, and... I don't know when, the, I think the next one comes around in what, 2030, uh, and um, I don't know if I'll, I'll be physically able to play by then, um, so, you know, I, to me it felt like that this might have been my last British Open here at St. Andrews, and the fans, uh, the ovation and the warmth, um, it was an unbelievable feeling. Uh, I understand what, what Jack and Arnold, you know, had gone through in the past, and um, I was kind of feeling that way there uh, at, at the end, and just the uh, just the collective warmth and, and understanding. Uh, they understand what, what golf's all about and uh, what it takes to be an Open champion. And um, you know, I've been lucky enough and fortunate enough to have won this twice here, and uh, it, uh, it it felt uh, felt very emotional. Just just because you know I just don't know what my health is going to be like. And um, I, I feel like I will be able to play future British Opens, but I don't know if I'll be able to play that long enough or you know, it, it may come back well, when it comes back around here while well, I'll still be playing. There you hear it from the GOAT himself, Tiger Woods, after a day he wished he didn't have. Hit three over. He's had a 78 on the first day and a 75 today. That's not going to cut it in the world of professional golf, especially at a major well, Brennan, it sounded like there, that's a man who kind of came with, to terms, at least with the British Open. He saw what he did there when he was leaving on the 18th. He tipped his cat to the crowd. Roy McIlroy tipped his 
hat hat to him on the first screen as they passed each other. Whether Tiger comes back or not, we can all agree that he is getting to the end of his professional golf uh, career unless he goes over to the Champions Tour. Do you think golf is in a good space right now professionally without Tiger Woods in the game? Yeah, I do. I think there's so many young guys. That's the fun part. I mean, whether it's, you know, Cantley, Shoffley, JT, Rory, Spieth, like all those, I mean, even those, there's a millions of them, right? I mean, I think it's better off when, um, you know, when Tiger was really dominating the game, I feel like it was kind of always the same guys that were up at the top of the leaderboard with him. So I think he is, you know, now that we're, like I said before, kind of nearing the end of his, hopefully he has another good two or three years where he's at least playing and, um, when he thinks he has a chance, he'll play every week if he can. Um, but I do. I think, you know, the amount of young guys, like, I mean, you watch guys like Scheffler, and, I mean, we're, I mean, you can look at the leaderboard now. Cam Young is a guy that, he's a rookie this year. I mean, a chance for him to be, he's, you know, second at the British Open. So, I mean, like, there's so many, there's the young talent that's coming out of college golf, that's coming out of international golf. Um, it's nonstop. So, I mean, I do think that it is sad that, you know, like I said before, we might have another three years left of him, and when that's over with, I mean, I think we still have such a good, um, a good class of guys that are still playing that are super young. You look at the leaderboard right now, Cam Smith all alone at 1300, uh, 13 under, excuse me, the Aussie with the mullet who's been playing some good golf as of late. I believe he played good in your home course up there in Murrayfield or I guess your hometown up there in Columbus. Cam Young is all alone in second at 11 under. Rory McIlroy, who's just been on fire lately at 10 under. Victor Howland at 10 under. DJ at 9-under, representing the Live Tour, Tyrell Hatton at 8-under, Scotty Scheffler. I mean, there's another name. There's someone who hasn't been – there's not too many names who have been playing better golf than Scotty Scheffler as of late. From a coaching standpoint, and I know you've actually held some bags as well. I think you got to hold Abraham Answers in a pro-am. Um, when you play a Lynx course, from a coaching standpoint or from a playing standpoint, what do you do differently from a normal course? Yeah, the big difference is it's on the ground a lot. Like, if you watch a lot this week, how many... In the U.S., there's a lot of tournaments and courses that these guys play where you're kind of just firing at pins and fixing pitch marks right next to it, and you're knocking them in. Um, you know, there, you're seeing so many shots that are bouncing 40, 50, 60 yards in front of the green. Um, just with how wind and how firm it gets there, it's it's a wildly different for some of these guys that, you know, I mean, I, I think even someone like maybe a Cam Young, I don't know how much golf he's played over there, so for him to be able to do this, you know, in his first time over is is unbelievable for him. But, um, I mean, you watch, I, I watched the number 13 out at St. Andrews yesterday. Um, average proximity was, you know, 50 or 60 feet on the green because there's no way to get it close because balls just bounce all over the place and there's nothing you can really do about it. So it's funny to see some of these guys that are so used to playing U.S. golf where you kind of just, you know, pick a number, fire it, it stops there, and you keep moving. Um, we're there, it's the opposite. You know, like I said, you know, these guys that, um, you know, that can bounce the ball 30, 40, 50 yards. It's rolling nonstop. You know, Tiger hit a drive on Thursday that went over 400 yards. It's golf that you don't see here that you'll see over there all the time. We're in conversation now with Ohio University men's golf coach Brennan Whitis, not Wittis, don't say it wrong. <laughs> uh, Brennan, I can't let you get out of the studio, and I thank you so much for your time here, but we have to jump into the live golf debate here. And I want to yeah. get your opinion and my question to you for Live Golf, is Live Golf good for the game of golf or is it bad for the game of golf? Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's the PGA Tour is going to probably continue to struggle with it. That's probably where the good and bad is going to come from. Um, you know, the money over there is crazy. So when you're, you know, I, I talked to someone else about, um, you know, there was a college kid from Oklahoma State that got offered a three-year deal right out of college. And like I said, if I was a 22-year-old that was, trying to make a name for myself and someone offered me, you know, five mil a year to play golf. I didn't have to grind on the Corn Ferry Tour or through, you know, the slums on the PGA Tour to try and make a name for myself. It's a little different. Um, so that's kind of, you know, where I see it struggle is that you're going to start to see um, the PGA Tour is just losing players and they're going to have to find a way to keep them here. That's kind of the bad of it. The good of it, though, is it, these kids are getting a chance and the money is insane. So, like, I don't, I don't, I don't have any complaints if someone is going over there strictly for the money because if someone offered you over $100 million to play golf for a year, I would find it very hard-pressed for someone to not say yes to that. I've seen you swing the club. Maybe your phone call should ring for this live tour. I mean, I've, I'm sure you could put up some numbers out there. What are you playing off of right now? I'm probably a scratch at this point. So, 
I try to do my best. I, do we want to talk about that you actually beat us in the in the two man <laughs> best ball, or do we want to skip over that oh part? Oh my goodness! So the people oh actually goodness. know. The people even, actually know how good a golfer you are, but we're just gonna we just blast over that. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then, my friend. Okay, so listen, our listeners love getting in in uh, in touch with anyone. Ohio University, especially when it comes to the athletic department. We are so gung-ho, Ohio University, and here we love our Bobcats. So I know you're active on social media. I know you're active. you got some of your social accounts out there. If our listeners want to get in touch with you, follow the comings and goings of the head coach and the Bobcats, what's the best way to do it on social media? Yeah, follow, um, like we're at Ohio M Golf on Instagram, Twitter. Um, that's kind of where a lot of our stuff's done. Instagram, for sure, that's where a lot of the work that we put in. Um, you'll see... Scores, updates, schedules, how our guys are playing in the summer, um, anything you can imagine, right? I mean, like, we're, you'll see lineups for each week. You know, we try and load it up as much as we can. So that'll be really where you're seeing how we're playing. And, and uh, I could always use some more followers. So by all means, hop on. Yeah, if you want to follow him, it's at Brennan Whitis, W-H-I-T-I-S. An excellent guest, an excellent golfer, a good man in himself. We're not going to let you get out. Just give me one name, and you can only pick one name. Who will win the Open? Rory. All right, he's going with Rory. 100%. Rory McElroy. Brennan White is the head coach of the Ohio University men's golf team. Joining us here in the 97.1 WATH studios. An excellent guest at that. Guest to plenty coming up here in the studios. We're going to take a short break. Then we're going to have Darren Christianberry, a professional archer, to tell us what the world of archery is like. Don't forget sports fan trivia. In the Olympic Games today, archers shoot at targets. However, in the 1900 Olympics in Paris, that's Paris, which live animal did they shoot at? That's 740-592-6646 if you think you know that answer. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, it's all archery. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know, your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know, a falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. Stay informed about the stock market from Goldsberry Wealth Strategies. Weekdays at 530 on 970 97.1 FM, WATH. The report follows the news. Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Goldsberry Wealth Strategies is not a broker-dealer and is independent of RJFS. Hi, I'm Vivica Fox. For more than 100 years, American Humane has been rescuing animals during hurricanes, floods, and wildfires. But Mother Nature isn't the only danger animals face. Sometimes it's human nature. Every year, six million animals are abandoned and more than a million are euthanized. You can be a hero to animals in need of rescue and adoption at AmericanHumane.org. You're listening to The Sports Fan. On 970 WATH. What's happening, Southeastern Ohio? It's Ross. Get in touch with me on Instagram and Twitter at Ross Talks. I'm with you up until 7 o'clock. Then we're going to switch it over to your Cincinnati Redlegs taking on the St. Louis Cardinals. You can listen to all the live action here on 97.1. W-A-T-H. Let's get to our sports fan trivia question of the evening. If you think you know this one, please dial in. Phone lines are open. Guesses are welcome. You can be the smartest man or woman in Athens, Ohio tonight, 740-592-6646. In the Olympic Games today, archers shoot at targets. However, in the 1900 Olympic Games in Paris, what live animal did they shoot at? Give us your guesses. 740-592-6646. And that's a good segue into our second guest of the evening. 
He is a professional archer. He also works in the archery media field as well. And he's preparing for the national championships of archery, which is this weekend at Hawking College. So you can go down there and see all the hoopla going around archery in the world of professional archery. Joining me now in the W2ATH studios is Mr. Darren Christianberry. Darren, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, Darren, I'm very, very excited to have you in here. And as I was telling you off air, but I want to tell our listeners, I like to consider myself a sports expert. I grew up I, loving all sports. I worked in the college athletic department. I moved abroad for eight years, so I got to see sports outside of America. But unfortunately, archery, archery slipped by me. Yeah. And I'm really lucky to have you in the studio to kind of paint the picture about professional archery and what the state of the game is. So my very first question to you is, if you're in an archery competition or an archery game, how do you actually win it? How do you win it? Yeah, how do you win the game? Who is the overall winner? Is it the most amount of bullseyes? Is it points? It, it depends on the format. Because okay. there's what we're shooting this weekend is IBO, International Bow Hunters Organization. Uh, we shoot 3D targets. It's all estimating distance. You're judging yardage. So... You're not allowed electronic range finders, which over the years, technology's changed the game of archery. But IBO stands true to bow hunters. It's bo that's, you know, mostly bow hunters is how the IBO started and then it developed into a target game with the addition of 11 rings. So in the center of the 10 ring, there's a smaller ring, which is worth 11 points. So in the IBO, you'll shoot 40 targets for regulation. If you shot 40 tens, you would have 400 points. That's even par. But if you hit 11s, you can shoot up. If you shoot a 403, we say that's three up in archery. If you shoot a 410, you're 10 up. You know, if you shoot a 397, you're three down. So you, you can actually shoot above par uh, with the 11 ring. Then the top five shooters after 40 targets go into a five-target shoot-off where you have a chance to advance or move back. Whoever has the most points is your top three shooters for the weekend. There you have it. And we're going to ask you some questions about this weekend, but... How would you describe the state of the sport of archery today? I think it's strong. Um, archery, anything in the outdoors, camping, fishing, you name it, anything in the outdoor with the pandemic and things like that, the outdoor industry has thrived. You know, people couldn't do indoor things, so they went to outdoor things. Archery, you know, kids are getting into archery, the National Archery in the Schools Program, which is the NAS program. ASA, IBO, NFAA, USA Archery, FIDA. I mean, there's all different types of archery you can play. But even with gas prices as, hard as, they, as high as they are today, there's still going to be a strong crowd here this weekend shooting for lots of money. And where are you from, Darren? I'm from Spencer, Indiana, about four hours straight west of here. Okay, so you're not too far away from here in the grand scheme of things in America. And looking at America as a whole, is there a region of America that loves their archery more than another region? Is there a stronghold of archery in America? Yeah, and it's, you know, th those regions will have, like, different venues. Like the south and the southeast is the ASA, Archery Shooters Association. It's an outdoor 3D game. Uh, the Midwest, the northeast, that's kind of the IBO, the Bow Hunters League. The far northeast, where they have really cold winters, they can't shoot outside in the winter, so they're big indoor archers. Uh, the West Coast, California, they shoot orange dots on foam targets. They have, you know, it's, it's a mix between 3D and field archery. So depending on where you live in the States depends on what kind of facet you might favor. Uh, but like an organization here where most of the professional archers here, we see those same professional archers at the indoor events, at the dot events, at the, the Reading events in California. So you'll see the same group travel around to, to follow these circuits to shoot for thousands of dollars. I love this stuff. And... In terms of fair competition and making sure players don't have an advantage, and I'm sure in this type of sport there could be equipment modifications or equipment mm -hmm. uh, advantage that you could have, much like cycling or something like that. Yep. Um, how is it judged? Is there a committee? Is it come down to the, the I guess, the, the league that you're firing in? How, how yep. is a match judged? Each, each organization will have their own set of rules, like ASA, the Archery Shooters Association we talked about earlier, they had a 280 foot per second speed limit. Your arrow could not exceed 280 foot per second. The IBO has a weight restriction for every pound of poundage you're pulling on your bow, you have to have five grains of arrow weight. So if you're shooting 60 pounds of weight, 
your arrow has to weigh a minimum of 300 grains. 60 times 5 would be 300 grains. Whatever that speed is doesn't matter. There's no speed limit. Now, that's changed in the professional divisions. It's a max of 309 feet per second. Indoors, you have a maximum and minimum size of diameter arrow you can shoot. So all these different organizations will have different rules that you have to follow. Everybody that shoots in them pretty much knows. So that's how they level the playing field. And the only time I've really ever seen archery is in the Olympic Games, much like some other sports as well. Everyone likes to tune into the Summer Olympics. And I, I could be speaking out of turn here, but I think I remember from the last Summer Olympics, I didn't see any Americans up there on the podium. So I, I could be misspoken, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but how, how, how are we in the state of international archery? We are strong. Our compound, yeah, okay. our recurve team, Brady Ellison, Jack Williams, um, they're, they're two of the top in the world. And I don't, I, I, I'm like you, I don't know for sure where we were at the last Olympics for, you know, gold medals, silver medals, bronze medals for the USA team, but Brady Ellison, Jack Williams, um, our compound men's team that shoots the World Cup stuff from the USA, making the USA team is harder than winning a world event, pretty much. That's how strong we are in compound. And we've got some of the top women compound archers in the world, too. So when we bring an international tournament together, the USA shines. This is amazing stuff. Um, and now this weekend, you're going to be competing down at Hawking College. Mm -hmm. In terms of spectating, is there spectators that will come out for this? Is there fans that will come out for this? There's not so much. IBO is a is a kind of like a course. Uh, ASA, some of the other venues are set up down a roadway, and you shoot off each side of the roadway. Spectators could actually walk on the roadway and watch. IBO, you have a starting point and a finish point, and that's usually some type of a trailer path through the woods. So it's not really set up for spectators. Someone could walk with a group and watch. It's just not common to see a lot of spectators out here. In the life of a professional archer, you are a professional. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to get too um, intimate with your finances and your daily life, but is this a type of sport where most professionals have another job? Or does the world of archery support yourself and your family? There are a few. Uh, there are a few guys and gals. There are a few men and women both that shoot strictly archery as their job. Um, they're the majority, I would say 90%, 9 out of 10, have some type of a regular job or own their own business because it takes a lot of time to travel and, and shoot, especially if you follow you know, more than one organization. If you wanted to shoot NFAA, IBO, ASA, and some USA archery stuff, you'd be shooting 14 to 20 events. That's 14 to 20 weekends a year. Uh, and you can't just leave on Friday and shoot Saturday, Sunday. A lot of them are, you know, practice on Thursday, compete on Friday, Saturday. So you need extra days off there. So um, several people do do it full-time, but the majority of people do have a full-time job and compete. I would imagine the world of sponsorship is big in this sport. I mean, I see, I was out there today on the Hawking College campus, so many guys walking around, and they kind of, they have some, the sport of archery has these bright top jerseys, and, and <laughs> they're very, very colorful, and they're proudly displaying their sponsors, but I would imagine without these sponsors, it'd be hard for this sport to run. That's exactly right. You know, I work for a company that owns nine archery and bow hunting companies, and we have, you know, we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on television show sponsorships, professional shooter sponsorships. You know, we, we buy their jerseys for them. We supply them with equipment. We pay them travel expenses. Some of them get a salary. So it's a big expense. But, yes, you know, and sponsors for, like, the IBO. The IBO has to have manufacturer sponsorship to help pay for everything that they do. Um, and then we're shooting for not only for tournament money from the IBO, but the sponsors, when they get on first, second, third, they win contingency checks. Right. So this is actually, uh, I did some reading on this, and once again, correct me if I'm wrong, this is a very unique thing to this sport because if you win this weekend, for example, mm -hmm. you win your competition, yes, you're going to win some money from your, from your organization that you keep competing, but the real paycheck is going to come from your sponsor. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. That's very unique. Yeah, it's very unique because, you know, a lot of times, like the golfers, you know, when they show up in golf, you know, they're playing for millions of dollars that are paid for, you know, from whatever, Buick to Mercedes to you, you name it, you know. The archery organization itself, the payouts are very small, for lack of a better term. Like, just for instance, if in the men's professional division this weekend, if you were to win first place, 
you would probably win $22 to $2,400 from the organization. But then their bow sponsor would pay up to fifteen dollars to $18,000 for that Makes first it worth place. It? Yeah, so you're looking at a minimum of $20,000. But then if you have an arrow sponsor, vein sponsor, release sponsor, stabilizer sponsor, you name it, all these sponsors will pay you know, $100, $200, $300, $500 continuously. So by the end of the weekend, you could win $24,000, $25,000. Thanks for taking the time out to, with, to chat with me. You told me a little bit earlier, you know, time, time is um, hard to come by right before a tournament because you said you got to get your practicing in mm -hmm. before you go out there this weekend. So kind of what's the practice regime? How long are you out there? And also, another weird question, do you do anything that is non-shooting as a practice regime? Uh, typically, well, yes, you do, especially for like here when I said this was judging, we have to like we step up and touch a stake with our feet or stand on the, on the stake, and they'll set this 3D target out there at an unknown distance. So you're literally looking at trees, rocks, the detail in the target. You're trying to guess, is this 37 yards? Is this 49 yards? You have to figure out how far it is, set your sight on the bow. You get one chance. You get one arrow, you know. So you set 11, 10, 8, 5, or miss. You know, you get one chance and that's it. So what we do here, you know, we'll practice at the target bales, make sure our equipment's right, but then they'll have 3D practice courses set up, hopefully in similar terrain to what we're shooting in for the weekend. So you want to go out and look at those targets and judge them and try to get calibrated to your surroundings, and that's what the practice is. Any rivalries in this sport? I mean, I saw a lot of gentlemen and ladies walking around there, um, and I know there's, you know, a competition and money on the line. I mean... Would we see that in archery? Not, not particularly. I mean, there's some, like, household names. If you follow archery, there's some names that you would know that come up every single weekend in the men's and women's divisions. But there's really, to my knowledge, there's no bad blood out there. It's really kind of a big family sport. Everybody's kind of pulling for each other. So uh, I don't think you'll see any, you know, fist fights or confrontations while you're, while you're at an archery tournament. So you're playing this weekend... I should say you're shooting this weekend at Hawking College out there in Nelsonville, Ohio. If you're listening right now, you can get, head on down there. They have a great thing set up in the parking lot with a bunch of the sponsors. You can go out there and buy yourself a bow. There's arrows. There's apparel. There's food. There's a ton of stuff. You can meet a bunch of the pros as well. So after this weekend, what's the next tournament that you have on the schedule? Uh, the last weekend in July is the ASA Classic in Coleman, Alabama, which is the final tournament of the year for the ASA. It'll be the sixth and final event there. Uh, which they'll crown the classic champion plus shooter of the year. And IBO, this weekend is the third leg of the IBO here at Nelsonville. We shot in Pipestem, West Virginia in May. We shot in Franklin, Pennsylvania in June. Then we come here to Hawking College in July. And the archer in each class that has the highest amount of points for the three events, it would be crowned the national triple crown champion. So you're not only shooting for the third leg, which is the individual leg here, you're shooting for the overall championship. So it's a double dip weekend for the professional archers. Well, Darren, as I said before, you can't do it without your sponsors. You came in here wearing a kit, and I'm going to assume that this is one of your big sponsors behind you. Who are some of the people or some of the companies or some of the individuals that make your dream a reality? Well, I, like I said, I work in the industry, so the, the company I work for is called the Outdoor Group. The Outdoor Group is the parent company that owns Elite Archery, which is a bow company. They own Scott Releases. That's a, you know archery release aids, custom bow equipment, which is sights, stabilizers, arrow rest, quivers, winner's choice bow strings, slick trick broadheads, solid broadheads, uh, dual game calls, I think I got all the TOG brands in there. But then Easton Arrows, I'm wearing an Easton T-shirt. Easton makes, they've been making arrows for years. They're in Salt Lake City. Um, gosh, you know, Doinker Stabilizers out of California. Last chance, Lancaster Archery has a big retail trailer over here at the event. Lancaster's out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. The biggest domestic archery retailer, wholesaler online. Man, they've got, if they have, if an archery product is made, Lancaster Archery carries it. So, it's, without all those great people, I couldn't do what I do. Another assumption I'm going to make, two things that I haven't done yet, but open to. I'm going to assume that if you're an archer, you're also a hunter and vice versa, or are there some people out there that uh, just strictly st strict stick to targets? Excuse me. I think that's changed over time. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 30 years ago when I started, I got into target archer because I was a bow hunter. 
And I think now with the archery in the schools programs, kids are introduced into target archery, so they follow the target archery. They may not be bow hunters. The international folks, they're not bow hunters. They typically don't bow hunt overseas. There's no bow hunting allowed. So years ago, yes, I think people came into target archery to help their bow hunting. But now I think people actually get into target archery. They were born into target archery. They strictly stay in it. Then they may branch out and get into bow hunting. So it may go both ways, but it's changed a little bit over the years. Maybe you're a parent listening now, and you're not a hunter, you're not an archer, but you think this could be a sport for your child. Are there some programming options out there, school programs or national programs, to get kids involved in the game outside of hunting? Yep, the, the, the NASP program, NASP, NASP, National Archery in the Schools program, that's a great program. The International Bow Hunters Organization, IBO, they have classes for all the kids, ASA, NFAA. You can Google anything archery and it'll come up. And the archery, you don't have to be tall. You don't have to be fast. You can be short. You can be overweight. You, can, you don't have to be a, a specimen, a physical specimen to be a professional archer. You know, you see all shapes and sizes out there. And that's what's great about archery is it's an individual sport. You get out of it what you put into it. And there's no stereotypes there. You can, you can be any shape or size, male, female, whatever, and you can be a successful archer. Boy, if that doesn't motivate you, I don't know what will. I think I found my professional sport, but I definitely have found my favorite professional in the sport of archery. Darren Christianberry joining us here in the studio today. Darren, if our listeners want to get in contact with you, maybe follow you through your journey, what's your social medias? I, uh, Instagram. I'm just Darren Christianberry, at Darren Christianberry. Same on Facebook. You can find me. I have a uh, professional page, an athlete page on Facebook that I don't pay much attention to because Facebook restricts me for whatever reason but just darren christenberry on facebook darren christenberry on instagram and reach out i try to i try to answer questions and help people as much as i can and that's an easy way to get a quick answer well you can see him this weekend down at the hawking college campus where he will be competing in the national championship the third leg for bow hunter archery darren christenberry thanks for coming on the show my friend thanks for having me Athens County cares about you. I'm Micah. Join me Tuesdays and Fridays at 10.06 on Classic Hits 970 AM and 971 FM WATH for discussions about essential information for seniors, such as nutrition, caregiving, mental health, Medicare, and all other relevant topics for seniors in Athens County and the surrounding areas. Athens County Cares, a project of United Seniors of Athens County, Tuesdays and Fridays at 10.06 a.m. on WATH. Have you heard of Project Rise? Are you a parent in Athens, Meigs, Perry, or Vinton counties? We provide internships, job shadowing, work-study, transition planning, and graduation coaching. All students and parents have free access to these resources. For more information, please find us on Facebook at AMESC Project Rise. There are numerous free events and resources that you need to know about. Act now. Project Rise will help you with your future after high school. Follow us on Facebook at AMESC Project Rise. This is the Sports Fan on 970 W-A-T-H. Welcome back. We're having a great time out here in the W-A-T-H studios. This is the Sports Fan presented by J-N-K Contracting. Brennan Whitest, though, you golf coach, joined us at 6 o'clock, gave us the scoop on Bobby's golf. Then Darren Christianberry, a professional archer, who's just down the road in Nelsonville this weekend, taking part in the National Bow Hunting Championships, the third leg, which will be held at Hawking College. So get down there this weekend if you want to see them. Let's turn our attention to Major League Baseball, your Cincinnati Reds. Beat up the best team in baseball last night in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium, winning 7-10, another one that went to extra innings. But the Reds got it done. Cincinnati Reds right now have been playing some good baseball. If you take out the, last, the first month of the season, they actually have a winning record right now by one game. So they turn our attention to the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals are sitting at 48-44. But it's going to be a six-game series for the Reds. If the Reds do something here, they can move out of the bottom and pass those Cubbies, which is something I did not think would happen before the All-Star rate. But the Reds have been playing good. So first pitch tonight is going to be at 8.15. We're going to have all the live action here on 
WATH. The Reds' Hunter Green goes on the mound, and he's going against the Cardinals' Andre Pallante. Hunter Green coming in with a 3-10 record, close to a 6 ERA. So this is going to be a big start for him right before the All-Star break. He needs to get it in gear going against the St. Louis Cardinals. So we'll see where this one goes. First pitch at 8.15 tonight. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, it's going to be the surefire hot picks of the evening. And for all you gamblers out there, let me tell you, this studio is hot. Because yesterday, I picked the Atlanta Braves winning. And guess who won by one run? The Atlanta Braves. It's been a good week for me. I'm going to see if I can keep it going after this short commercial break. We espouse a home-based model because uh, really it allows us to get to know the client and the situations that they live in and their family dynamics much better. Our mission is about bringing the best to the table and helping people to find what their best is. Integrator will walk beside that individual and that family to provide stability and safety. My daughter Brinley is here at St. Jude. Coming here was literally life or death and was so scary. But St. Jude is fighting for one goal, like this one mission, life. And that gave us hope. We haven't received a single bill from St. Jude, so I really can just focus on what's best for Brinley. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at 740-698-3521 or a free estimate. Live and local, the sports fan on 970 WATH. Ross talks with you up until 7 o'clock. Before we start the weekend, it's the last weekend of Brew Week. Brew Week. Say that 10 times fast. Can't wait to get up on the bricks tonight and tomorrow. See the live music and all the action. It's one of the greatest times in southeastern Ohio. I've been coming back. When, even when I lived in Dubai, I would make it back to Brew Week every summer because I absolutely love all the action up there. And taste testing all the different breweries that are up there pouring the crisp pints. Okay, let's get to sports fan trivia. Tonight's question was revolving around archery because we just had Darren Christianberry on the show. In the Olympic Games today, archers shoot at targets. However, in the 1900 Olympics in Paris, what live animal did they shoot at during competition? And the answer to that one is pigeons. So... Not good to be a pigeon in the 1900s in Paris because you were part of the competition. I can't imagine PETA allowing that one happening today. So they have switched to circular targets that you kind of see with the bullseye in the middle. Okay, let's get to the surefire hot picks of the evening. First off, let's just look at the docket for the Major League Baseball games of the evening because it is that weird time where in professional sports for the big Four for professional sports in America. There's only one being played right now, and that's Major League Baseball. So, across the MLB right now, the Marlins are taking on the Phillies. They're in the bottom of the first. This one is down in South Beach. The Washingtons host the Atlanta Braves after the Braves won last night in Nationals Park. They're going to look to do it two in a row tonight against the Nationals. Big rivalry game at Yankee Stadium tonight. The Red Sox come to down to take on the Yankees. Up in Toronto, the Kansas City Royals are going to be taking on the Toronto Blue Jays at the Rogers Center. At 7-10, the O's, the streaking O's, Joey Matador's O's, the former voice of the sports fan who is now working for this organization. They have won 10 in a row. 10 in a row. 
the hottest team in baseball, taking on the Tampa Bay Rays at the trough in St. Pete, trying to make an 11 in a row tonight. Amazing stuff right now. If you would have told me the Orioles would be sitting with a winning record before the All-Star break, I would have told you you're crazy. Amazing stuff happening for the Orioles. Taking on the Rays tonight at 7:10. Also at 7:10, your Cleveland Guardians will play host to the Detroit Tigers. The Cleveland Guardians got it done last night at the Progressive Field. Let's see if they can do it again tonight. Out west, the Seattle Mariners head down to Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas to take on the Rangers. At 8:10, the White Sox will take on the Twins at Target Field in Minnesota. At 8:10, the Athletics will take on the Astros at Minute Maid Park. And then, of course, your Cincinnati Reds going against the Cardinals from Bush Stadium at 8.15. At 8.40, the Pittsburgh Pirates, who have gone to extra innings in each of their last three games, will head to the Mile High City in Denver, Colorado, to take on the Colorado Rockies at Coors Field. Colorado's favored in this one. At 9.38, a bit of a rivalry. The Dodgers take on the Angels at Angel Stadium in Anaheim, California. And then, finally... The late games of the evening, the Diamondbacks heading to San Diego at 940, and then at 1015, it's the Brewers taking on the Giants at Oracle Park. So it's time for Surefire Hot Picks of the evening. Well, I'm going to give you two picks tonight. Normally, I have someone in the studio with me. We had Michael Roth last night who got the Guardians pick correct. So we were 2-0. and Carl's off this weekend. Ethan Sargent's up in Columbus. Probably scoping out what the Blue Jackets are going to do next in free agency. But tonight, I'm going to give you a parlay. The Kansas City Royals at 7.07 head up to the Rogers Center in Toronto to take on the Blue Jays. Now, the Blue Jays are heavily favored in this one. And I'm going to tell you why. Because there's 10 unvaccinated players from the Kansas City Royals. If you're unvaccinated, you still cannot get into Canada. We're not going to make this a political debate. But I am going to tell you that it will significantly make it harder for the Royals to win that game. So I'm going to take the Blue Jays money line in this one, but I think that's kind of not enough for your money. So, I'm going to also give you the over-under in this game. And I think these young Royals that are going to be playing and starting are going to come out swinging with something to prove right before the All-Star break to show that they believe to be in a starting lineup. And I think the Blue Jays have some firepower. So the over-under is eight. I'm going to say Toronto wins this one. And they go over eight runs between the two teams. So take the over and take Toronto in the money line for that one. And I think you will be thanking me come Monday morning like you were thanking me this morning as we went 2-0. So get your bets in. All right, that's it for the sports fan. It's been a fantastic show. Thank you to all our guests for coming on the show. Don't forget, your Cincinnati Reds taking on the Cardinals at 8.15 tonight. You can listen to all the live action here on 97.1 WHH, this has been The Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. I'm Ross Chris at Ross Talks. I'll be back with you Monday night.